Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. Now, on to the episode. Hey ghoulies, welcome back to another mini-sode of Clever Ghouls. I'm Megan, and today we're going to be talking about the parts of our brain and nervous system and what they do. As someone with an extensive background in psychology, I tend to make tons of references to our brain anatomy in all of our episodes, so I thought that this mini-sode walking you through everything might be particularly helpful. The brain is a complicated and complex organ that controls our body's regulation, our thoughts, emotions, memories, senses, and basically just everything that we do. Weighing roughly three pounds in the average adult, the brain is made of about 60% fat. The remaining 40% is a combination of water, protein, carbohydrates, and salts. It contains blood vessels and nerves, including neurons and glial cells. The brain sends and receives chemical and electrical signals throughout the body. Different signals control different processes. Some messages are kept within the brain while others are relayed through to the spinal cord and across the body's vast network of nerves to other extremities. To do this, the central nervous system relies on billions of neurons, or nerve cells. For half a century, neuroscientists thought that the human brain contained 100 billion nerve cells. But when neuroscientist Susanna Herculana Housel devised a new way to count brain cells, she came up with a different number, about 86 billion. She did a really cool video interview that I will link in the show notes for you, where she describes her research and explains how we essentially lost 14 billion neurons overnight. And your brain contains two types of cells, like I said earlier, neurons and glial cells. Neurons send and receive electrical nerve signals while glial cells help maintain your brain, form myelin, and provide nutrition to your brain. At its highest level, the brain can be divided into the cerebrum, brainstem, and cerebellum. The cerebrum, which is the front part of your brain, is made of gray matter. It's also called your cerebral cortex. And white matter is at its core. As the largest part of your brain, the cerebrum initiates and coordinates movement and regulates things like your temperature. Other areas of the cerebrum enable speech, judgment, thinking, reasoning, problem solving, emotions, and learning. The gray matter surrounding the cerebrum is known as the cortex of the brain or your cerebral cortex. The cerebral cortex has a large surface area due to all of the folds, and it comprises about half of the brain's weight. It's called the cortex, which stems from the Latin word bark. Most of the actual information processing in the brain takes place in the cerebral cortex. When people talk about gray matter in the brain, they're talking about this thin rind. The cortex is gray because nerves in this area lack the insulation that makes most other parts of the brain appear to be white. 
The folds in the brain add to its surface area and therefore the quantity of information that can be processed. The cerebral cortex is divided into two halves, or hemispheres, and it's covered with ridges called gyri and folds called sulci. The two halves join at a large deep seam, which is the inner hemispheric fissure, also called the medial longitudinal fissure, and that runs from the front of the head all the way to the back. The right hemisphere of your brain controls the left side of your body, and the left half controls the right side of your body. The two halves communicate with each other through a large C-shaped structure of white matter and nerve pathways called the corpus callosum. The corpus callosum is the center of the cerebrum. And if we keep traveling from there, we make it to the brainstem. The brainstem, which is the middle part of the brain, connects the cerebrum with the spinal cord. The brainstem includes the midbrain, the pons, and the medulla. The midbrain, or mesencephalon, is a very complex structure with a range of different neuron clusters known as nuclei and colliculi. It also has neural pathways and and other structures. These features facilitate various functions from hearing and movement to calculating responses and environmental changes. The pons is the origin of four of the 12 cranial nerves, which we'll talk about later, which enable a range of activities such as tear production, chewing, blinking, focusing our vision, balance, hearing, and facial expressions. Named for the Latin word bridge, the pons is the connection between the midbrain and the medulla. It's also the part of our brain responsible for dreaming. And at the bottom of the brainstem is where we find the medulla. The medulla is essential to survival as the functions of the medulla regulate many bodily activities, including our heartbeat, respiration, blood flow, oxygen, and carbon dioxide levels. Medulla also produces reflexive activities such as sneezing, vomiting, coughing, and swallowing. The cerebellum, also nicknamed the little brain, is a fist-sized portion of the brain located at the back of the head, below the temporal and occipital lobes, and above the brain stem. But don't worry, we're going to talk about lobes in a minute. Like the cerebral cortex, it has two hemispheres. Outer portion contains neuron, and the inner portion communicates with the cerebral cortex. Its function is to coordinate voluntary muscle movements and to maintain posture, balance, and equilibrium. New studies are exploring the cerebellum's role in thought, emotions, and social behavior, as well as its possible involvement in addiction, autism, and schizophrenia. The brain is covered in three layers of protective coatings called meninges. The outermost layer, the dura mater, is thick and tough, and it contains two layers. The periosteal layer of the dura mater lies in the cranium and the meningeal layer below that. The arachnoid matter is a thin web-like layer of connective tissues that does not contain nerves or blood cells. Below the arachnoid matter is the cerebral spinal fluid, which cushions the entire central nervous system. And the pia matter is a thin membrane that hugs the surface of the brain and follows its contours. The pia matter is rich with veins and arteries. Each hemisphere of the brain has four sections called lobes. We have a frontal, parietal, temporal, and occipital lobe, and each lobe controls very specific functions. The frontal lobe is the largest lobe of the brain located in the front of the head. The frontal lobe is involved in personality characteristics, decision-making, and movement. The middle part of the brain, or the parietal lobe, helps a person identify objects and understand spatial relationships. The parietal lobe is also involved in interpreting pain and touch in the body, and it houses Wernicke's area, which helps the brain understand spoken language. The occipital lobe is the back part of the brain that is involved with our vision and ability to see. Then we have the sides of the brain, or our 
temporal lobes, which is involved in our short-term memory, speech, musical rhythm, and a small degree of smell recognition. We also have a lot of deeper structures within our brain, and I feel like these are the parts of the brain that I tend to mention the most in our episodes. Parts like the amygdala, which is a small almond-shaped structure and is located under each hemisphere in the brain. It regulates emotion and memory and is associated with the brain's reward system, stress, and our fight-or-fight response when someone perceives a threat. We also have the pituitary gland, which is a pea-sized structure found deep in the brain behind the bridge of the nose. The pituitary gland is responsible for the function of other glands in the body, regulating the flow of hormones through the thyroid and adrenals, and it receives chemical signals from the hypothalamus through its stalk and blood supply. And the hypothalamus is located above the pituitary gland, and it sends chemical messages that control its function. It regulates body temperature, synchronizes sleep patterns, controls hunger and thirst, and also plays a role in some aspects of memory and emotion. On the underside of each temporal lobe, the hippocampus is part of a larger structure called the hippocampal formation, and it supports memory, learning, navigation, and perception of space, and it receives information through the cerebral cortex. The brain communicates with the body through the spinal cord and 12 pairs of cranial nerves. 10 of the 12 pairs of cranial nerves that control hearing, eye movement, facial sensations, taste, swallowing, and movement of the face originate in the brainstem. The last two of these cranial nerve pairs for smell and vision originate in the cerebrum. The 12 nerves and their functions are the olfactory nerve, which controls our sense of smell, the optic nerve, which controls our sight, the oculomotor, abducens, and trochlear nerves, which are responsible for our eye movement, the trigeminal nerve, which oversees face sensation, our facial nerve, which controls face movement and salivation, the vestibular cochlear nerve, which controls our hearing and balance, the glossopharyngeal nerve, which controls our sense of taste and swallowing, the vagus nerve that regulates heart rate and digestion, the accessory nerve that controls our head movements, and finally the hypoglossal nerve that moves our tongue. The brain and the rest of the nervous system are composed of many different types of cells, but the primary functional unit of a cell is called the neuron. All sensations, movements, thoughts, memories, and feelings are the result of signals that pass through neurons, and neurons consist of three parts, the cell body, dendrites, and the axon. The cell body contains the nucleus, where most of the molecules that the neuron needs to survive and function are manufactured. Dendrites extend out from the cell body like branches of a tree and receive messages from other nerve signals. Signals then pass from the dendrites through the cell body and may travel away from the cell down an axon to another neuron. The neuron is usually surrounded by many support cells. Some types of cells wrap around the axon to form an insulating myelin sheath, and myelin is a fatty molecule which provides insulation for the axon and helps nerve signals travel faster and farther. Axons may be very short, such as those that carry signals from one cell in the cortex to another cell that's less than a hair's width away, or axons can be very long, such as those that carry messages from the brain all the way down the spinal cord. Scientists have learned a great deal about neurons by studying the synapse, which is a place where signals pass from the neuron to another cell. When the signal reaches the end of the axon, it stimulates the release of tiny vesicles. These structures release chemicals known as neurotransmitters into the synapse. The neurotransmitters cross the synapse and attach to the receptors of neighboring cells. And neurotransmitters are just chemicals that the brain cells use to talk to each other. Some neurotransmitters make cells more active, called excitatory, while others block or dampen a cell's activity, called inhibitory. And you probably already know a little bit 
bit about neurotransmitters, though. Some of the most recognized ones are serotonin and dopamine. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that constricts blood vessels and helps bring on sleep. It's also involved in temperature regulation and our mood. And dopamine is an inhibitory neurotransmitter involved in our mood as well and the control of complex movements. Some other key neurotransmitters to note are glutamate, GABA, and acetylcholine. Glutamate is a major excitatory neurotransmitter. Too much glutamate can kill or damage neurons and has been linked to disorders including Parkinson's disease, strokes, seizures, and increased sensitivity to pain. GABA, which is an acronym that stands for gamma-aminobutric acid, is an inhibitory neurotransmitter that helps control muscle activity and is an important part of the visual system. Acetylcholine is an excitatory neurotransmitter because it generally makes cells more excitable. It governs muscle contractions and causes glands to secrete hormones. Alzheimer's disease, which initially affects memory formation, is associated with a shortage of acetylcholine. The brain is fascinating and deeply complex, and I could talk about it until I run out of air, but I think this is probably enough information for one mini-sode. I hope you learned something new and exciting about how your little electric meatball inside your head works, and you can find even more cool brain content that goes even further in depth and all of our other full episodes and mini-sodes. Find us on your favorite podcatcher, social media platform, and on YouTube through our handle at Clever Ghouls for even deeper dives into the brain and psychology. If you like this episode, please download and subscribe and share with a friend. And if you love this episode, definitely still do all that, but also go leave us a five-star review. As always, it's been awesome getting to talk to you about the brain, and I can't wait to do it again. Stay creepy, friends. The Clever Ghost Podcast is run by Megan, Marissa, Blair, and Melissa. This episode was done by Megan. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. Find his links in our show notes. For more episodes and other spooky content, find us on your favorite social media platform through our handle at Clever Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe and share, and if you really like our content, please leave us a review.